Well, let me say a healthy good morning to you. So this is for parents. It's a jungle out there. There's practical scriptural tools for navigating the waters of life. And if you're, a, you, if you're a parent or a grandparent, this applies to all of us. So I am a parent that's trying to grow uh, my kids so that they can be all that God wants them to be. My name is Ryan, and I'm here because I love Jesus. And I, uh, you can find me at this email address, or you can find me on Twitter, or you can look up the website, camelbackchurchofchrist.org. And I just want to say welcome to all of you. And I'm sure as we grow together, as we navigate the waters of life, we've had some major and wonderful successes, and we've had some things we regret. And so I'm, I'm not here to stir up a lot of regrets, but certainly to challenge us to bigger and better and higher things. Um, and if you would like a copy, there's some newsletters here. You're welcome to take one home, and you can know more about what's going on at uh, Camelback. So, man, it is a jungle out there. How many of you say, saw the movie uh, Jurassic Park? Yeah, okay. Scary, isn't it? Yeah. You watch those dinosaurs just tear into those people. I, I feel like as a parent, I feel like I'm navigating my children out of this jungle it's like we're on this island and we're trying to escape all the dangers that are on that island. And some of those dangers are simply from the natural environment that's out there because it's a hard life. Sometimes it's from real things that are trying to harm us. And we know that our enemy is Satan and we know he wants to do all the harm he can to anybody. And he wants to do nothing more, especially to harm Christians because we've chosen to name Christ as our Lord. So we have sort of this special target on our back that just says, you know, for Satan, get that person. And so it's a jungle out there. We've got to be careful. So when you think about that and you ask yourself, how do we navigate that? Well, we need tools. Now, you probably have seen multi-tools before. They're, they have multiple different uses, right? You can see on this one um, that, that there's many things you could do with this to make it make it useful for you as you're out there navigating that water. So today I want to give you four jungle tools, okay, parenting points that will help us as we navigate these waters. Because we want to know um, what, how to get through this. Everybody recognizes that there's red flags going off, there's danger, but how do we, how do we respond? What is it that we do? Because we certainly don't want to sit back and watch this happen. I'm certainly not going to hand my children over to Satan. I'm going to fight that every way. Uh, and I believe that God will help equip us so that we can be successful. Um, and you might remember this uh, proverb, Proverbs 22, 6, right? It says, start off a child, start off the child on the way they should go. And when, even when they are old, they will not turn from it. So what it is, is so interesting because we're cultivating the soil of the heart. And as we cultivate the soil of our, our children and grandchildren, we're trying to soften that soil and, and water that and fertilize that so that we can plant the seed of the gospel in that heart. And, and then we want to water that some more, just as Paul said in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted, Apollos watered, and we want to say, God, give the increase. And it's interesting because the, even Jesus talked about these parables, right? There's the there's the wheat that falls into the ground and dies, and unless it does that, it won't produce a lot of fruit. But when it does, you know, there's the parable of it grows, and we know not how sometimes. 
we see growth, we see uh, things as they have progressed, sometimes in hindsight, but we don't always know the work that went into it. But you and I, as we're raising kids or influencing our, our older kids now, or our grandchildren, we need to think about that. We want to start them off, because sometimes they want to get off their parents' coattails of faith, and so there might be a little bit of rebellion in there. And I believe every child goes through a little bit of separation but our job is to train them and plant that seed and water that and cultivate that soil so that even in the end they will not depart. And remember, that's something done in love. It's not something done in power or control. Uh, we want God to be the leader of their life. And when you think about this, the role of that falls uh, squarely on dad's shoulders. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, but train them in the love of and the discipline, right, of the Lord. By discipline and instruction, right, train them in the Lord. And the key phrase in that passage is, in the Lord. That's the final prepositional phrase in that sentence. And that's the critical piece. Everyone is training somebody something. We're teaching someone something, whether it's by our example, by our direct influence or direct instruction. We're, we're giving out a message. The question is, what is that message? Fathers, if we're not supposed to exasperate our kids and, and make them angry and make them bitter, what is it that we're to do? We're to discipline them and raise them in the love and admonition of the Lord. So that when they grow old, they will not depart from that, even though they might kind of break away from the parents' faith, because they want to own their own as they grow. But we want to train them so they'll not depart from that faith. Um, it's interesting, when we think about this, we, we look out in the media, and the media spins so much terrible stuff. There's a lot of fake news, a lot of just bad news. I want to give you four positive points. These are positive points to point your kids in the right direction. Because what I see is an opportunity. I see an opportunity to influence the next generation. Whether it's uh, the, the, the church that you're a part of, the people that you're a part of, your own children. I believe we have this wonderful, gracious opportunity that God has given us to influence the next generation for good. And I believe that if God has won, because he's faithful and he sent Jesus to conquer death and he's conquered sin and the grave, then we have the, a future beyond this life to live for. And that gives us motivation to live today for him in a victorious way. Um, and, th and that's not success preaching, that's just basic Christian living. Basic Christian living. So if you're a parent or a grandparent, you want to think about the idea of authority. How do we, as parents and as grandparents, help to establish this authority? Because we know that society is taught that, 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 that parents, you know, watch the media. When you, when you see a situational comedy, right, a sitcom, or you see a reality show, I, I do not watch TV. I have no great interest in that. Um, my son and I have been doing some episodes of, I think it was um, The Flash and then Legends, but we've turned them off because they have some things they're teaching through that that are really um, unholy. Uh, we pretty much have decided um, we're going to just get rid of all the TV uh, because the things that are being taught on it. Um, what, but what, the reason why is, when you think about the message that's being sent out, it is not Christian in any way. And the message is undermining authority, especially when you think about this. Uh, what about shows that undermine parental authority? 
Parents are, are described as how? They're described as bumbling buffoons. They're described as corrupt. They're described as people that don't really know what's going on. I don't buy that. As a parent, I know what's going on with my children. As a parent, I don't want to give that control over to somebody else. I want to be the one to guide my children. And if they have a question about life, I want them to come back to mom and dad and ask me the question because I want to come back to Scripture as the authority. When you think about this, this comes straight from Scripture. Romans 13.1 says that we are to respect every authority, the governing authorities, because there is no governing authority except that which is established by God. That means that whether, that, that whether it's a Democrat or a Republican, I respect the authority. Okay? It's not that I may, may or may not agree. We all have our opinions, and we all have our ideas about how life should be run. But it does mean that once God has established that authority, then we go with that and we um, treat them for their position. Because think about it, they're being watched by somebody higher and someone higher still. And so they have to answer. And certainly if God has established them in their position, they will answer to God for the things they have chosen to do while in that position especially. So when we teach authority to governing bodies, well certainly that also applies to the home. If the church is the called out, right, the ecclesia, the body of Christ, and he's the head, then you look at this and you say, well, what's the home? The home's the microcosm of that, where the father is the head of the household, and the wife is his, help, his helper, right, suitable. And that's not a dominance issue, that's not a cruel issue, that is just the way God has established the authority. And when we teach that kind of respect and the kids look up, instead of always parents or grandparents looking down, right, then we can, can know that, that we're teaching them the proper use of authority. And I know that's tough, because when we think about this, that's a challenge to look at Scripture and start to think of things as, you know, thus saith the Lord. The Lord said this. This is something He chose, right? This is something that when He establishes the things uh, that, that He has written down in His Word, they are for our good, right? Romans 15, He's written this stuff for our learning. Okay? When, when we speak, it should be the Bible says. When we speak, it should be thus saith the Lord. When we speak, it should be this is my experience from living the Christian life. This is how a good way to think about things. This is something I would do. Um, and, and it gives that, that foundation for our children to grow and our grandchildren to grow. Because all scripture, I'm talking the 66 books of the Bible, the canon that is established by God, is God-breathed, right? And it's profitable for teaching Okay, reproof, correction, training in righteousness. Why? So the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. In Ephesians chapter 2, down in verses 8 through 10, verse 10 says that we were created in Christ Jesus. We were, we were what? We were created, right, to do good works. There are good things that God has laid out for us to do. Those good things are things that we want to think about. And if there was anything that I would direct solely at children, okay, whether they're older children or whether they're your, you know, younger children or whether it's your, maybe you're having great-grandchildren. My grandmother had, uh, we were 11 in the first batch and there was 7 in the second batch and the great-greats. So let me tell you, if, there, if anything, set that example by, by, by thinking about Job 22.22. Receive, please, is the way he words that. He's pleading with them. Listen to His instruction. It's a capital H in there, so He's talking about God. Listen to His word, His teaching. 
Job is pleading with his with his friends that have been talking with him to listen to to the words of God. And think about things like in humility in Philippians 2.3, right? Consider others better than yourselves. In humility, what? Set apart Christ as Lord, right? In humility, when we come to teaching and training our children, it's not through arrogance. It's not through pride. It's through humility. It's not angry. I don't think we've ever accomplished much being angry, have we? I, I, can, I can attest to that. But when we've humbled ourselves and we open ourselves up and we show the love of Christ and we expect our children to follow, that's that disciplining of them, then I think that's a, that's a much better way, considering others better. Well, the second point I want to share with you today talks about repetition. When you, when you think about repetition, this is the things that we do every day. This is the things that we do every week. We're an example to somebody else. What we repeat, we repeat what we love, right? How many of you have a favorite food? I just came back from a cruise, and we, I ate food on that cruise that was incredible. Um, I don't know that I'll ever eat food like that again, especially because I'm old enough that, it, that you know, it, I never let food go to waste, but it does go to waste. <laughs> so it, it's interesting um, when we think about that, when we, we repeat what we love. When you think about the, the, the TV that we watch or the movies that we watch or the, the places that we go, uh, the friends that we hang out with, the family members that we're close to, the things that we repeat are the things that we pass on. And as a parent, I know for sure that my kids, when they watch me, they're watching how dad acts. And they are taking that example. And they're taking that example and they're learning themselves how they ought to behave. And so we repeat what we love. We have to be careful for that. I remember my grandmother. In the Churches of Christ, we sing a cappella. But I remember my grandmother... Sitting, and this is back, remember when you used the old hymn books? This is before a lot of the TV screens and the video screens. And she would hold, they would, they would call the invitation song, and then the sermon would happen, and then at the end of the sermon, there's the invitation, and then the song leader would stand up, and he'd start to lead the invitation song. And as he would sing that song, all of us would stand up, and here we would be singing, and, and she would have her finger in that book. Many of the people that I grew up with would have their finger in the book. And they'd be standing there holding that on the back of the pew and singing that song from memory. You know why? Because those songs, those hymns, had so much meat in them, so many good teaching points, so many good things to think about, that it was good to repeat those things. And it was repeated to the point where it became a part of her. It was repeated to a point where it became a part of us. As a preacher, I don't use a songbook anymore, and I don't look at a screen anymore, because most of the invitation songs are from memory. And so it's so important to think about that. When we apply that to the idea of Scripture, same thing. It is never too early to start teaching Scripture to your grandchildren or children. It is always good for them to learn the scriptural lessons of life, because it's so important for them to have that and sing those beautiful hymns. Uh, I remember growing up, one of the children's hymns that we would sing is Rise and Shine and Give God the Glory. You ever sing that before? It, rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory. Rise and shine and give God the glory, glory, children of the Lord. Well, that song we sang, and I still remember that song, and I don't sing it very much anymore, 
but I still have that in memory. So we repeat what we love. When we wake up our kids, I wake up my kids to singing, and, and they like that a whole lot better than if, if they don't wake up and mom has to get after them. But, but you think about it. We can wake our kids up with a song. We can wake them up with a scriptural point. We can, we can smile them all the way to the breakfast table. Or we can teach them what we, we, we really think in our hearts. And I know some kids are hard to wake up. I've got a, a friend that goes to church, and his grandson, he has to, you know, go in the bedroom and kind of shake his shoulder and say, it's time to get up, you know. I realize that there's different kids. But think about it. If What we pass on, if we pass that smile on, smiles go for miles. Now, there's some negatives in this. In 1 John chapter 2, 15, some of the negatives, the Bible says this. John says, do not love the world or anything in it. Now, one of the things that you don't want to repeat is sin. And if there is sin in the past, you want to leave that sin so you can be right with God. And that, I know, can be tough at times, but think about this. There are, there's temptation, but there's no such thing as sinning unless we choose to. Temptations come, right? Satan's got a target. He's shooting at us. He wants to harm us. We have thoughts that pop in our head. We have thoughts that we have to pop back out. And so there's that challenge for us to live that faithful life. And even if, even if Satan hits us a hundred times a day, we turn right back around and kick those thoughts right back out. John is not saying don't love, you know, the dirt, okay, or the trees. He's saying don't love the sin in the world. Don't love the worldly ways. They're not helpful. They won't help you be the person that God wants you to be. Repeat the good and you'll produce good. Notice number three, that if it takes a village, then know the village. Now, I have to admit, I borrowed this point, but it inspired this thought in me. Here's my thought. If there is such thing as the village raising the kids, I want to know the village. I don't want to hand my kids over to anybody. The school, the, even the church, I mean, even our friends. And I don't want to hand it, it, them over to anybody until I know what's going on. You think about this. There are children that have been raised by video games, that have been raised by the television, that have been raised by movies. There have been uh, parents that are kind of deadbeat. They've been ra- children that have been raised by their grandparents or their aunts and uncles. I mean, we. I want to be the one to influence my children the most. I want my wife and I to be the ones that have had the greatest impact on our children. I want them to turn around someday when they're old enough to realize that. To say, thank you, mom and dad. Not because I deserve a pat on the back. I'm a parent just like any other parent. I'm a Christian just like any other Christian. But I want them to recognize that the influence and the strongest point of influence came from mom and dad and not from some other source. You think about this, this is so very, very important. Because there are things that we know from Scripture that the world will not teach. And so we have to be very careful about that because think about this. The world will not teach that bearing false witness is still a sin. That a lie is a lie. A white lie is a lie. An omission is a lie. Hiding it is a lie. Right? And a lie is still always a lie. The world's not going to teach that. You think about the media right now, how they spin things. You think about when you watch, uh, uh, Royal and I last night were, were, uh, were turning it, we turned an episode off because of the things that it started to teach that we were not expecting. Bearing false witness is still always, always a sin. And it's so important nowadays that we teach our own children and grandchildren that it matters what 
they, they uh, say and what they do because they'll be known by their reputation. Their reputation is what they re what's the things that they repeat, right? If they're known as a person who tells a lot of falsehoods, then people are going to stop trusting them. If they're known as people who are mischievous or who are playful and not very serious, no one's going to take them seriously. So as parents and grandparents, we need to really be careful about that. And there's some extra scriptures here in Exodus 23 and Revelation 21 for your personal study. And when you think about this, uh, the world, it, there's so many other things you could talk about that the world is not going to teach our kids, that it's important that we teach our kids. Think about all of the many myriad details, all the simple things, from taking care of your room, right, cleaning your room and keeping up with those things, to having a good work ethic, right, to having a good thought process when it comes to dealing with negative things that are thrown at us. Those are all things that need to be talked about. When Jesus talks about this, um, the world's not going to teach um, our kids that, that humility is a good thing to have. They teach that self-centeredness is a good thing to have, or selfishness is a good thing to have. Jesus said this, that as the, as the Son of uh, Man and the Son of God, that He didn't come. He didn't come to try to... Uh, to try to take advantage of us. He didn't come to become a dominant king over us, which he certainly has the authority and the power to do. But he came to give his life as a ransom for many. Remember, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve. So humility is something that we have to teach our children. It's something that we have to ingrain them. It's something that we have to example for them. Think about the sacrifices that you and I make as parents as you and I make as grandparents, on behalf of our families, because we want them to see the greater good or the greater point, the learning point for them. The last thing I want to leave you with is, the world will not protect what goes in our children's mind. How many of you have ever played that game Pop Fly? You know what Pop Fly is, right? You take your glove out with your baseball, and you go out in the field, and you just start to pop the ball up, right? You just play catch. You play catch with yourself, and you just... You, you pop it up, and as you get better and better, you throw it higher and higher, right? And you throw it until you just give it a real good toss, and it's up there, and you got to get right under it and catch that ball. You're practicing, right? You're repeating your practice so that when somebody hits that, that line drive down center field, and you're the center fieldman, you're going to raise that glove up, and you're going to be ready for that, and you're just going to catch that ball, and he'll be out. See, the world will not protect what goes in our kid's mind, but we need to teach them just like Pop Fly. You just take that thought and throw it right back out. Satan is wanting to harm our children. He wants to do damage to everybody. But when you think about it in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, what are we doing? We're taking every thought captive for Christ. We're destroying anything against the knowledge of God. Anybody any falsehood, any conviction against God. And we're taking the, our thoughts captive for Christ. Remember later on in 1 Corinthians 10, down in verse 13, the Bible would say that there's no temptation such that's common to man. But when you are tempted, right, the Lord's going to provide a way of escape. So you know the old saying that when God closes a door, he might open a window. So there's no such thing as Satan throwing a temptation at us without an opportunity for us to escape that. And I know that that's, um, that's a, a something that's a challenge for us. 
Because we all know we all fall short of God's glory. That's Romans 3.23. But it's by His grace that we are justified freely by the blood of Christ. So the lesson is yours, friend. The lesson is yours. And this is the challenge for all of us. Because just like you, I'm trying to navigate the waters, right? I'm trying to navigate the jungle waters. And, and, and get through this uh, island and get out of this uh, danger zone so, so that my children can be successful in their uh, uh, walk with Christ. We may, we may not be able to escape all the things that come at us, but we certainly can deal with them. We can certainly rise to the challenge. And I believe God will make us victorious as we navigate that water with Scripture. Now, we always like to offer an invitation. An invitation is a time when, at the singing of the, this next song, that if you would need the prayers of the church, or maybe you have not obeyed the gospel message and you need, need to be baptized to be right with God, I want you to know that we always keep the water at Camelback Church of Christ ready. And we would be glad, uh, maybe glad to study the uh, gospel with you. Uh, and then uh, if, if you are willing to submit to that to baptize you so you can be right with him. And so we're going to sing a song, and if that's something you need, um, there, you're welcome to make that known. You're welcome to come to the church anytime, or there's information on the bulletin. You can contact us, and I'd be glad to meet with you. So um, the, the lesson is yours, and I, I really hope that that helps. And you know, maybe you've thought, my children are grown and gone, but you have grandkids. Remember, you'll always be their parent. And you'll always be their grandparent. So you'll always have that opportunity to have a positive influence.